Welcome. I'm Dr. Susan Blank. This is Detailing Addiction, and you're listening to America's Web Radio. Today in studio with me is David Donaldson from the Atlanta Healing Center. Welcome, David. Hi, Susan. Very glad to be here today. Glad you are here, because I think this is uh, an interesting study, and certainly one, our series of studies, and certainly ones that... um, are somewhat controversial and yet I think very impactful. As I sat um, at a table the other evening and everyone at the table was on their phone. Media device. Yes, on their phone. No one was looking at each other. It was a meal. No one was talking. Everybody was making random comments as though to themselves that no one else commented on because they were reading something or um, uh, responding to something that they had seen on their feed or on their Facebook. So I I think this is a really interesting topic, and today we're talking about addiction and social media. That strikes me as as so interesting in, in terms of thinking back on years gone by when there would be such a push for families when they're gathering for dinner to turn the television off. Right, yes. You know, that the TV is interfering with everything. It's getting in the middle of your meals. It's stopping people's ability to communicate and socialize. Um, And I agree that it was doing that back then, but it's gotten so much more that now each person is not only watching their media feeds, they're even, some of them are even watching TV on their phone while they're in the midst of these um, these should be social, social. situations mm-hmm. and learning situations um, that I, I think it's it's um, really an important thing to be talking about and being mindful of, especially in the light of addiction. Um, you know, the, the research isn't at a point of saying, yes, social media is full-fledged addiction. They're, right. they're not at a point of adding it to the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual, but there is a lot of discussion about the about the similarities and about the growing consequences that we really don't even know yet. What we do know in terms of our own patients, though, is that their anxiety um, connect related to being able to go out and meet people, being able to mm-hmm. go to meetings, something that's always been difficult for them and has always been high is is even more intense. And when that uh, is combined with the fact that while they're in group or in an individual session, a therapy session, while they're getting neurofeedback or meeting with me to review labs or talk about their medications, their phones will be sending off alerts that they've got a text or that there's been a new posting or they got an email, something. And to try and watch them not respond, not pull the phone out, not look at it, it's pretty interesting to just observe that and see how many of them really can't do that. They can't stand it and they will have to eventually look. look. And they'll give a they'll give a plausible excuse for why they need to take a look. Right. And now, you know, there's the buzz that they you hear from their purse or their back pocket or mm-hmm. something, but then also their wrists start buzzing. Right. Because they everybody's got these smartwatches now that doesn't give them enough information to satisfy the nerve. It just gives them enough information to know they're missing something. To make them curious, <laughs> and now they've got to respond. <clears throat> it is very interesting in terms of... 
screen addiction, and we've talked about that before, and, and what we're looking at and talking about is really a variation on that because today we want to talk about social media, but it is an extension, and there is a lot of data now looking at what we call screen addiction, and this would include being online, this would be, include video games, um, responding to social media, other ways in which people are addicted to their screens and find a hard time putting them down. They have actually recognized gaming yes. as an addiction, yes. and it's had um, a lot of study and a lot of impact, um, especially in, in other nations. Um, so that aspect of it, they're, they're certainly recognizing um, um but this one, particularly looking at things like Facebook and Twitter and um, Instagram and those things and, mm-hmm. and the impact that they're having um, on, on society. So when we were talking about what are we going to do for the show today, you brought up a point that I think was really interesting in terms of recognizing that this might be another way in which people are going to struggle with not responding to social media, and that has to do with the new law here in Georgia. Um, Yeah, in the sense that Georgia is now hands-free, meaning that you're supposed to have your hands actually on the steering wheel and be free from being on a telephone or on any sort of media device, and they actually spell it out in the law that it can't be your telephone, your pad, any sort of device. Um, can't be touching your body. Yes. Can't be propped up on your body. And so you can just hear the anxiety as the law is written that it's addressing all aspects of that, that anxiety. Um, um, and the studies really point out the anxiety people experience mm-hmm. with forced separation from their, their um, electronic devices. So I was thinking that in terms of the impact of, of people having to give up social media during the time period that they're driving, um, good for the drivers, good safety for the rest of us, but, but I'm sure that some people have had some, some significant issues. And I think you're absolutely right about that because I think that the idea that people are not able to respond and just watching patients in my office when there is an alert that sounds on their phone or it's vibrating or in whatever way their device is letting them know that someone or something is trying to reach them, how hard it is for them to not respond and how very often I would say probably 70% of them at least look and probably of those half of them have to respond. They have to do a quick text or look and read and like or whatever mm-hmm. um, but I would say that if they're having that same kind of message that there is someone or something out there that wants their attention while they're driving in a hands-free zone and I know many of our listeners live in states that have had hands-free for a while George is a little late to the game but I can imagine that some of our patients are going to have a very difficult time resisting that urge to check in oh yeah yeah, I'm totally sure they will it's been interesting in the months prior to this law. I actually was one of those people that sent a letter to our congressman saying, you've got to do something about this because 
I'd be riding down the highway, and I'd look over, and I'd see people watching videos on their phone. Right. <laughs> You'd come up from behind them, and you would know before you even got to them that they were on their phone because they'd be they'd be weaving in their lanes. Um, and by the time you get up there and you see them, it's, it's just clear what they're doing. They're responding to a text, or they're watching a video, or something other than focusing on driving. So I feel I feel safer, even though I'm sure it's not 100%. Um, you know, compliance yet. As you get a text. As I get a text on the phone <laughs> and I reach over and turn off my notification and sneak a peek. <laughs> and sneak a peek, just a little one. And you kept talking, so that was really good. Um, you've got this down. But, yeah, it's um, it's pretty uh, amazing, and I think it will be really interesting to see how people do <coughs> respond and how many people do actually get a ticket and to see if this has an impact, as it has in other states, in terms of lowering the accident rate. I mean, if it follows the trends of the other states, it really should. Um, I believe I read that the decrease in in death rates um, through vehicular accidents was like 15%. Yes. In most of the other states that enacted these laws. And that is not something to be... um, Minimize. No, that absolutely is, not. Um, that is huge, and that's fatalities. That's not everyday run-of-the-mill accidents um, or accidents as we see with many of our patients who have had motor vehicle accidents and uh, have not died and mm-hmm. have not had real significant injuries, but many of them have head injuries that we are able to see on their brain map and document that they've got um, a head injury that is impacting their cognitive ability or their ability to modulate their mood. So it'll be interesting to see, but, of course, our patients are probably going to be more at risk. (laughs) Um, Or let me restate that. They're going to be less likely to have a reduction in their accidents if they, even with this law, because they're going to have a hard time resisting that urge to check it out. Yeah, I've um, actually had patients that in group encourage each other to put their phones in their trunk or leave it in their purse in the back seat so they just don't have access to it while they're driving and adjusting to this new law. Exactly. So I I know I have to put mine in my purse and zip it up um, and then hope that it connects to my Bluetooth Um but even still, that's some distraction. So we'll see. We'll see how that works. I can remember when cell phones first came out that I resisted getting a cell phone because I really liked the time I had in my car as the only time that I had um, some privacy from the rest of the world. You know, that I had groups and clients and and all kinds of interaction everywhere else I went. And so in the car was like this one place right. where there was peace. And then it, it really kind of changed as... People expect you to be able to take their call mm-hmm. wherever you are, whenever you are, um, um, so that that piece that you used to have in a car just kind of ceased to exist based on the reality of, of living in our social world. <laughs> when they were talking about changing the law about being able to accept phone calls on the airplane, I <laughs> I had that same, oh, no, no, please don't do that. Not only will it be annoying, but the whole idea of at least if I'm on a plane, no one can reach me. And that's okay. 
everybody can know that or I can explain it when I land, but I have this couple Three hour period Three or four hour block. Mm-hmm, that I don't have to uh, worry about responding and that I can do some other things with my brain and my hands rather than answering a text or responding to an email. So we do have some issues uh, for sure, all of us, and not everybody who spends time on their phone or their tablet uh, has a problem, but there are certainly a growing number of people that are getting involved, not just with their screens, but I think with social media. One of the things to think about in the last few months, for sure, we've seen privacy violations because of our being on social media and that our data is being mined and sold and sent off to places that we might not have usually agreed to allow that particular industry or company or whatever to have access to our data and being able to access us through postings on our uh, computers or on our phones. It's been really interesting because now every time I open an app, every time I go to a website, I'm getting this, do you want to allow XYZ to access your video, your phones, your email? And if you don't agree to it, then you can't access the site. I don't know if you've been having this experience. And so I'm sitting here thinking, do I really... How, how badly do I want to find out this information or look up this pair of shoes? Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's a question. Because there's definitely a lot of those where I just say no to, and it's like, okay, they're, they're going to play that game. I'm not going to play. But you kind of get immune to a lot of this intrusion. There was um, – there was – they're on the news or I don't even remember what social media this came at me today but it was talking about how insurance companies are vacuuming what a powerful word vacuuming all of our personal data and mm-hmm. they're not using it against us yet but you certainly can imagine the day will come where you know if you're not walking your standard 30 minutes a day then your rates are going to be higher right and if you stop at any fast food restaurant your rates are going to be higher <coughs> And if you're driving too fast or, um, in other ways, not living a healthy lifestyle, it's going to affect, um, it's going to affect these things. So we are being tracked, but interestingly, the prediction of all these people leaving social media has not really come true. We're going to talk more about this after our break, so please stay tuned. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key, and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. 
whether cruising the strip at a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back. This is Detailing Addiction. I'm Dr. Susan Blank, and you're listening to America's Web Radio. Today, David Donaldson is with me in studio, and we've been talking about addiction to social media. Right before the break, we were talking about with the revelation that a number of social media sites, and I'm thinking Facebook in particular, having uh, been revealed that a lot of our data is mined and sold and ends up in the hands of lots of people to whom we may not want that data shared. Uh, the, the, the initial thought that I had, I remember, was, well, I'm just not going to use it. I'm just not going to go on it. I'm not going to sign any of the waivers. I'm going to just just not do that. And that's been a little bit harder than I thought. Um, I mean, the idea of just going back to books and paper, <laughs> it's, it's very, very difficult. Um, there is a certain amount of having to use social media just to keep connection. I mean, our, our whole show has using the Internet and using using social things to be able to pull a lot of this together. Even even a lot of the research now will, I mean, they identify themselves as researchers, but they'll connect to their potential mm-hmm. study people through Facebook and through people sharing the, the information, their, their studies with other people to get them to also do the studies. So, I mean, so much of our, it's just kind of becoming intertwined like a spider web. <laughs> So the um, the article that was in uh, the journal Economics um, was looking at the billion, billion, billion dollar industry that is Facebook and Snapchat and Twitter and some of these other social media hosting sites and how so much revenue has been uh, generated. And one of the questions that they were posing in this article was whether or not people would be willing to pay, willing to pay to access it. Because right now it's free-ish. It's free. We don't have to have a subscription. But because it's free, the advertising and the access to our data is what's paying for the site to be up and running. And that's um, that's a question that they're posing is, 
are people so addicted, if you will, to being able to post on social media and being able to access the social media on their friends that they would be willing to pay money for a subscription and eliminate some of the uh, commercialism and the selling of the data. And I wonder, I wonder how many of our people would be willing to put out some cash money to have access to these social media sites. You know, that certainly was the the way it went with cable television. Right. The initial draw for for getting cable TV was you pay this monthly fee and you can have commercial-free TV. Um, the commercials worked their way into cable TV, so that didn't last for very long. But right. that the idea that people will pay for a way to not have commercials is certainly proven true in the past. Um, it was a really interesting perspective, though, looking at um, addiction through the eyes of an economist. Right. Um, because some of the things they were saying were shocking from a therapist's point of view, but but certainly from somebody who's investing. <laughs> it, was, it was interesting. One of the things that really grabbed my eyes was um, the, the author was actually saying not all uh, – not all addiction um, is so bad. And it was talking, this example was coffee and, you know, the addiction to caffeine and how, you know, gets people up, gets people motivated, they have all this energy and keep on going. And sure, some of them overdo it and they end up having nervous breakdowns and other consequences. But the general masses, you know, do pretty well with a cup of coffee. Yeah, so how bad is, is it? How bad is it for people? And what are the potential consequences of spending a lot of time on social media? I think that's a valid question and certainly one that that people should be thinking about. Is this really a harmless way of having entertainment and staying connected and having things to do in your downtime? Or are there some more significant consequences? So one of the studies that uh, that we were looking at that you had mentioned, David, looked at earlier in 2009, the big concern about all this was with men. But the more recent studies are really looking at women being particularly vulnerable to social media. And the initial study was looking at how men and women used it differently, mm-hmm. that, that men would use it um, um more transactionally uh-huh. they were going on there and checking email they were going on there and getting assignments because this was looking at college age students um, they were going on there and, and doing game type things right? but they weren't necessarily at that point 2009 using it as social connection mm-hmm. um, whereas women were going on there and, and connecting social relationships and planning um, I think that that aspect really, when you compare the two studies, has taken off. That what was using social media as a way of connecting and making plans became the plans. Became right. this is what what we're doing. This we're is together. The thing. We're together on on social media, and we're together answering back and forth, posting and replying and commenting and liking, and that's the communication. It's not pick up the phone and let's meet and go for lunch or go to dinner or plan a vacation together. Mm-hmm. No, that is the connection. The, um, the, the thing that struck me was they, were, they used the, um, the 
social media scale. Um, I'm blank on the, the gentleman's name, um, but he's, de- he's developed a scale for measuring uh, the addictiveness of social media. And what was so interesting to me was that of the five of the six questions that he focused on really go towards dependency. Uh-huh. Are you spending more and more time on there? Um, are you? Um, do you go through withdrawal feelings? Do you go through anxiety, irritability, those kind of things? If you're separated from your phone, right? Um, but for me, coming from uh, the uh, the addiction counselor, the the addiction model um, really goes to a simple definition of addiction: continued use despite serious consequences, and. Uh, he really didn't dig into what are the serious consequences that come from that and so I was actually thinking what are the serious consequences Um, um, I would imagine um, (laughs) body image issues you know just like magazines in the past that's so much focus on body image and so many bursts of exercise videos popping into your um, your uh, social media feeds, um, many, many things related to to self-esteem, but also significant issues related to being able to relate with people in real life, being able to read people Mm -hmm. and understand if they're following your story or if they're bored or if they're they're just um, passing time waiting for somebody more exciting to come along. If you're losing the ability to read, read the people you're with... But that's a significant um, part of interactions that people need. And lots of misunderstandings can happen if you're communicating face-to-face with someone and you're right there with them and they may make a comment, ask a question, um, make a passing reference to something. And even in that, I'm watching your body language, I'm watching your face, I'm meeting your gaze, I can still misunderstand what you were asking me or telling me. And I can have an emotional reaction at that point that was not anything like what you had intended uh, to communicate. And that's happening with all access to my being able to see you, feel your vibe, so to speak, and have that kind of communication. When we are reduced to emojis and um, alphabets that are <laughs> that are not full sentences and that are um, letters that are meaning words rather than writing out the words, mm-hmm. it seems to me that the communication is even less clear and even more likely to be misinterpreted and misunderstood. And at the same time, it's getting a, a lot more emotional meaning put onto it. People are reading these things that aren't giving any emotion at all and interpreting um, negative reactions and interpreting just deep emotional um, assault. Right. Uh, there was a sitcom that my husband and I were watching the other evening, and these families had gotten together for dinner, and uh, one of them mentioned their vacation, and uh, the other couple said, oh, well, how was your vacation? And the first person said, well, obviously it was very good, but you didn't like any of my pictures. And so... 
and they got into this argument about the fact that you don't really care about me, you didn't like my pictures, you didn't uh, comment on the the travel log that I posted on social media, and and the the woman who had been on the vacation was really angry at her friend, and the friend had absolutely no idea and certainly was not intending at all to uh, send any kind of negative message. She just hadn't seen the posts and hadn't responded to them. And she was going to go right upstairs and like everything (laughs) as soon as the, the dishes were done because she was worried about this relationship. And that seemed petty, but you can see how those things can unfold. So when you are communicating in these ways, the the opportunity for misunderstanding is really greatly enhanced, unfortunately, and the opportunity to clarify what did you really mean by that is gone. Is almost gone because in a second that person may not be online anymore and you're left waiting till the next time uh, to have an opportunity to clarify if you even remember. Mm. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back and look at more potential consequences from addiction to social media. Thanks for listening. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. This is Dr. Elena George. Join me Wednesday mornings from 9 to 10 a.m. for Medicine on Call, a show dedicated to exploring the medical, social, and political aspects of our healthcare system in order to find solutions. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key and the trained staff at EHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back. This is Dr. Susan Blank. This is America's Web Radio, and you're listening to Detailing Addiction. Today, David Donaldson, who is the CEO and clinical director for the Atlanta Healing Center, is with me, and we are talking about addiction to social media. 
right before the break, we were talking a little bit about what are some of the consequences, because certainly if we use the very simplest definition of addiction, which you um, uh, reminded us of, which is continued use um, in spite of serious consequences, we were talking about the unfortunate opportunities that are inherent in social media and some of these other ways that we have of communicating for huge misunderstandings and hurt feelings and insults that were never intended that can create uh, rifts and distance with people and sometimes you have no idea why they no longer, (laughs) why they've unliked you and they've uh, taken you off their Facebook uh, friend status. Sometimes those uh, connections are severed, and people are often wondering what happened and why. Why has this happened? And I think part of it is because of the opportunity for communication errors, and people feeling insulted or their feelings are hurt about something that either was said or wasn't said. That. They anticipated you know, should have happened. Even, even like on Facebook nowadays, it'll show somebody's interested in coming to an event near you. Um, and I could certainly see. Wait a minute, they're coming to this, and they're not even stopping to say hi. They're not letting me know. They're not including me in in this. Um, I can just those kind of simple reactions. Generally, when I see that, I'm like, oh, I hope they don't know I'm home. <laughs> I want to just relax. But um, so. Social social uh, misconnections right. is one example, but there's also some other very very real examples of the way of negative consequences. Um, the other ones that I kind of think about are are miscommitments mm-hmm. because you decide, okay, I'm going to do this, this, and this, but instead you end up spending twelve hours on social media and you miss all those commitments. Um, um, Definitely what we talked about at the start of the, of the show were accidents that are happening because you're using social media in, in dangerous situations. Like driving. Like driving. Um, there's actually um, postings of, of pic- people who've taken selfies, <laughs> and they become the last picture these people ever take because they're taking selfies in really dangerous places, and then they end up, you know... Dying. Dying. Um, so... Using it in social in in physically inappropriate places is one of the ways that it causes consequences, um, and and simple neglect of health. You know, there's so many people that aren't getting any sort of exercise. They're not doing mm-hmm. anything physical. And they're not even going outside. Unless Wi-Fi will reach out there, right? Unless <laughs> <laughs> um, they've so, got a good connection. So. In terms of that, there are, there are a lot of consequences that people really should look at. Um, the other part of the study was really hi- highlighting the other aspects of addiction. Um, um, so maybe we should spend some time and just go through those. Absolutely. Look at the, the list of questions. So um, Mark Griffiths and Darla uh, Kuss, I'm hoping I'm saying that last name right, K-U-S-S, are psychologists at uh, Nottingham University in the United Kingdom. And they have specialized in looking at the impact of technology and social media on cognitive and social behavior. And they have a list of six questions to help people 
screen a little bit and see, no pun intended, screen to see if you might have an addiction to social media. So the first one is, do you spend a lot of time when you're not online, this was interesting to me, a lot of time when you're not online thinking about social media or planning how to use social media? So it's not just the amount of time on social media, but the time thinking about it when you're not on it. In our regular addiction world, when we're talking about chemical dependency, with the chemical addict, we'll talk about um, compulsive thoughts. But with the codependence, we'll talk about preoccupation. Right. Same sort of thing, that the person has become preoccupied with whatever they're not doing on social media. Right. Or what I'm going to um, what I'm going to do when I get access to it again. The next one is do you feel urges to use social media more and more over time? Interesting the Pew Research Group did a study and found that up to a quarter of Americans are online almost constantly. I think that's amazing, but when you stop and actually think about what all these people are doing, anybody that's using it at work for business things, they're using right. it for email, using it for communication, if they're in the finances, they might be using it to track stocks um, or to trade stocks. Um, so eight hours of their day, they're already tied to it, and then they're coming home and they're using it to connect with friends or to watch shows. It's easy to see how it can quickly add up. When um, when a, a study looked at uh, how much lost productivity occurs when people are using social media, and um, one study showed that um, uh, 24% that said that they were often using social media when they were at work or supposed to be doing other productive things. 23% said that they sometimes did it. 18% said that they rarely did it. But a total of almost 80% of people said that they were, it was affecting their productivity some or, or um, most of the time when they're at work. So it's not just that we're using it for our business, we're using it instead of. And it's, um, it's always interesting to uh, walk through a business and just see how many people are on their computer, probably on a website that they're not supposed to be, posting to Facebook. I know many places will not allow you. Those are those uh, different uh, media, social media websites are blocked by the the uh, company themselves so that you can't go and you can't shop and you can't read a book and you can't watch a movie. Um, you're expected to be actually working when you're at work. What a, what a novel thought. And, you know, you can walk through companies and you can notice the way employees are concealing their cell phones right. <laughs> so that they're able to con- continue to communicate. Um, but you also hear about people who've lost jobs right? because despite being warned, they would continue to go onto their cell phones and check messages and send messages. So I think that um, that con- that idea, back to question two, which was are you using it more and more often, I would say that very likely, in spite of the dangers, in spite of knowing <laughs> where your data is going, 
people are using it more and more, or many are. So the next one is, do you use social media to forget about your personal problems? Are you using it as a way, I guess, to self-soothe or to uh, take your mind off your worries, your concerns, and get involved in something else? I think the the other side of that is how many times are you using it um, and it's actually making you feel worse about yourself and worse about your personal problems. Um, What struck me as interesting was the author of one of these articles that was using these same questions actually threw in his own experience where when he goes on Facebook, he doesn't use that very often, but he connects to people and feels relaxed. But when he goes on Twitter, <laughs> he becomes agitated, and he, he talked about how he uses Twitter actually quite a bit. Um, and f- for me, when I think about the, the two, um, Facebook tends to be a place where you're hearing about how friends are doing and different vacations and those kinds that of activities where it's about connection, whether it's real connection or not. Right. Twitter is much more of a place where people go to vent. Right. And 168 characters or less, you vent whatever. Um, and what strikes me about that is, you know, in, in the world of counseling, once upon a time, there was this idea that venting was good. Right. You know, they'd tell you to get a, a bat and, or a pillow and beat up the bed and just get it all out. But then they began recognizing that venting itself <laughs> became addictive. That right. People would do all this venting and not actually do any changing or do any any work towards responding to things differently, and the venting would just escalate. And the anger, and rather the, than dissipating, actually was building, and people were getting more and more angry rather than less. Yeah. Yeah, and so you could easily see in the world of Twitter, if we were to attack one particular site directly, <laughs> the world of Twitter really mm-hmm. kind of feeds that side of our, our psyche that wants to just be able to just dump on, on people or vent about and not have to, you know, have any real connection or any real re- response to it. People will say on Twitter what they won't say to somebody to their face. And, uh, and the, it's often said in the moment without thinking. It's a reaction to something that they've read or heard. And so rather than taking a moment, um, they'll lash out. And so I, I think this becomes a really big problem. And I, I see this with um, a number of folks that I've worked with. In fact, I've had to ask them to be on Twitter restriction and um, and TV news restriction because they get so agitated and so upset and they do this often at night in the evening and then they can't sleep and they're up all night. So that that uh, way in which it can affect our mood, I think, is really important. To the person that is in a good place and they're happy to hear about their friend's success or see the picture of the new baby or the wedding, that can be really relaxing. If you're not in a good place, I've had other patients who it's been very painful. They're in a bad uh, relationship situation or they're not in a relationship and every time they see their friend's in the relationship, uh, they see the new babies and maybe they can't have children or they've um, not found the right person to have children with, then even those positive things that make us 
many times feel happy actually adds to jealousy and feelings of low self-esteem and anger and so it, it really depends on where you are in your life and if you're feeling relaxed and happy it can make you feel better and if you're not it can make you feel worse so we're going to take a break when we come back we're going to look at some more consequences of addiction to the media please stay tuned The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key, and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. This is Lawyer Liz. Join me each week as we discuss drones, the Internet of Things, and all the technology in between. It's Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz, Wednesdays at 2. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back. This is Detailing Addiction. I'm Dr. Susan Blank. You're listening to America's Web Radio. And with me today is David Donaldson, the CEO of the Atlanta Healing Center. And we're talking about addiction to social media. We, before the break, we're talking about um, these three questions developed uh, by this group in Nottingham, England. And we got through the first three. Uh, Number four is, do you often try to reduce your use of social media without success? So this is that uh, attempts to control that we often talk about in addiction. That, okay, I'm only going to do this for five minutes every hour or I'm only going to check uh, my Twitter feed twice a day uh, I, I hear I hear patients state make these statements that they're going to go out and exercise spend more time at, with the family not let the kids uh, use um, screens at the table those kinds of things but I suspect that's not always as successful as they would like one of the ways that i'm hearing it a lot lately is 
I'm going to just watch one more video and then I'll turn it off and then I'll go to bed. Right. Um, the number of patients who, because we always ask them how your sleep is. We want right. to know how their appetite is. Are they taking their medications? How's your sleep? And those kind of things. Um, and it used to be they were having sleep issues because they couldn't turn off their brains. Right. Now they're having sleep issues because they can't turn off their social media. So they'll they'll watch on their screen. They'll watch um, the TV shows, videos. They'll be going through their Facebook, and they'll say, okay, I'm just going to look at this for five more, more minutes. And two hours later, they're mm-hmm. when the battery dies, right. <laughs> they're finally disconnecting. So that's uh, that's a way that I've had to modify my questions about sleep because that's one of the things that I frequently check in with our patients about. So I say, do you have any trouble falling asleep? Do you have any trouble staying asleep? Are you waking up earlier than usual? And then I'd ask them, how many hours of sleep are you getting? And um, our goal is for our people to have seven or more hours of sleep a night. And it's interesting because sometimes the answer is four hours, three hours. And I have to now ask them, so why were you not able to to get more hours of sleep? Was it because you had to stay up late to finish a project? Was it that you had to get up early and go into work early? What was happening that your sleep is less than our ideal? And very often it's at that point that I hear that they were checking their social media, that they were reading Twitter, that they were posting on Instagram, that they were looking at pictures um, of their of their family on Snapchat, that these kinds of activities were actually the reason that they were not getting into the bed and not getting enough sleep. So it was failure to get sleep as opposed to an inability to get sleep, which is a very big distinction and different treatment options. Certainly mm-hmm. if they mm-hmm. can't fall asleep and they're in the bed and they're trying and they're waking up and having other sleep related issues when they're actually in bed trying to sleep, that's a different treatment than I'm up because I'm not able to turn off the device. Right. And, and I I'm keep saying just five more minutes just a little bit longer so that um, that idea of attempts to control and then not being successful about it do you become restless or troubled if you're unable to use social media is question number five and I think this is really interesting because that's exactly what we were describing earlier when we had patients that were in group or some type of meeting where they're not supposed to be looking at their Twitter feed and yet they are or they get the notification and then they're so antsy and distracted that they're really not paying attention to what's going on. It was interesting in, in reading this that the, the study that they did it, they, they had it with college students and they pretty much took away any access to any sort of device for just a 24-hour period, and then they asked them all kinds of questions afterwards. And and the answers they've got, irritability, anxiousness, depression, um, everything that you would 
think about in relation to withdrawal symptoms, mm-hmm. um, especially um, like marijuana withdrawal, where right. it's where it's you're restless and irritable and and those kind of things. Um, and what I they highlighted this had to be particularly difficult because these are college students that are in a dormitory setting where they know that other people are getting to use their phones and using their devices. Even worse. So it made me really (laughs) think about patients who are getting clean in real time in an outpatient setting, and they know Mm -hmm. that people around them are drinking and using that that aspect that that increases the anxiety that they're experiencing. So that is uh, certainly a telltale sign, and I think that symptom of withdrawal, tolerance and withdrawal are are two really common um, criteria when we're looking at severity of um, of a, a level of addiction. And certainly, there are some some instances where tolerance isn't an issue or withdrawal isn't an issue, but most of the time. With most substances or behaviors, this is clearly an issue, and we see it every day when we ask people to put their phones away because they're in group or because they're getting neurofeedback. Mm-hmm. Even an hour to do that is too much for some of these folks. Um, when we look at uh, question number six, um, do you use social media so much that it has had an negative impact on your job, on your relationships, or on your studies. We've talked about this to some degree, the uh, impact that this can have. Um, Certainly uh, productivity loss, certainly relationships, more isolation, and uh, certainly um, difficulties that people have in terms of our students with their studies, that they're they're not doing it, and um, and that because of that, they're really struggling more than they need to because they're spending time on social media. Really interesting and, and troubling. <laughs> and when we make a plan with some of these patients on how are they going to deal with this and how are they going to uh, get through the withdrawal and how are they going to be able to manage it, it can be pretty complicated especially to your point that most people, their job or their studies or their interaction um, in their normal day involves using a computer, using a screen, and getting a notification. I know on some of my emails I'll get a notification about a Facebook post. Mm-hmm. A reminder. So even if I'm not going to do social media, and even if I'm going to work on catching up on all the emails I need to respond to and read and and archive, it's still popping up. Yeah, and you know, even if they've made a plan and they've they've d- gotten it in motion and they're doing pretty good about it, their device is going to update, and all of those uh, all of those notifications and alerts that they've turned off get turned back on and suddenly they're getting notifications again. Right. We really have to have to talk about it in terms of of behaviors that people have to learn some some means of control mm-hmm. like like with someone with an eating disorder has to learn how to eat but they have certain foods that they know are mm-hmm. are never going to be a safe food. Um, people dealing with the internet probably have to come to terms with there are certain 
websites that they know are just not going to be good for them um, and and just leave those particular websites alone. Some people need to stay away from Twitter. Some right. people need to stay away from um, Instagram. Instant. <laughs> Instantly. Um, and some people need to stay away from Facebook. So there are a number of of ways in which people may have to recognize that this is never going to be safe. I'm never going to be able to control this. Just like someone who has addiction to alcohol or other drugs, there are going to be places or people or things that they're never going to be comfortable with. Others that they'll be able to learn to tolerate and manage their life being involved with people, places, and things. But there are going to be some of them that they won't. They're going to just like, as you say, with the eating disorder, what is your trigger food? What would be your trigger media? What is the one thing that will grab your attention and take your time more than any of the other ones? What's the what's the most... That you have the hardest time turning off. Exactly. The most potentially time-consuming and potentially um, relationship-ruining and uh, job uh, challenging. So that may be where we start. It's with other addictions, it's pretty hard to say, well, okay, we're only going to drink beer now because liquor is, is, uh, is the thing that gets me. Uh, it's pretty hard to use <laughs> the substance as your taper. In this case, you have to, which is what's going to make treating this so much more difficult because you have to work and determine what is your abstinence, what are the things that you're going to need to do, uh, how can you set some boundaries and set some rules that you can live with that will free up your mind and your time and your money to be able to spend it in more healthy pursuits. And I think with anything that that you have to communicate about it and you have to make these commitments with the people in your life, um, the idea that it's secrets that keep us sick. So you need to share it and use their support to help you with your own abstinence. Absolutely. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you all next week on Detailing Addiction.